covering the German startup scene with news, interviews, and live events. Hello and welcome, everybody. This is Joe from Startuprate.io, your startup podcast, YouTube blog, and internet radio station from Germany. Today, I do have Alexandra here with me. Hey, how are you doing? Hi, how are you? Thanks a lot for having me. Totally my pleasure. Um, I assume you're right now in Paris. Exactly. I'm in my apartment. I wanted a quiet setup to, to do the podcast, so I'm at home in Paris. Really good. And since we usually interview entrepreneurs from Germany, Austria, and Switzerland, we will put this all together during the course of the interview, why you are here and what interesting pieces you have to talk about. Um, you are the CEO and co-founder of fleet.co. We may put it out right here. It is not a ride-sharing or ride-hailing company. No, exactly. It's fleet is a... Um more leasing solution, hardware leasing. So we do device as a service. So for every startup and SMBs, we offer a clear solution where you can finance your computer fleet. That's why it's the name fleet. Uh, so you finance your computer fleet. You have a warranty. You have an insurance. You have a MDM. MDM is for mobile device management, which means like if someone steals your computer, you can lock. Um, lock it, erase the data. So it's cybersecurity related. Um, so yeah, it's a whole solution for hardware fleet for startup and SMBs. That's why we are called fleet. And that's also one of the pieces why you are here because you're B2B startup and that usually, uh, goes pretty well with startuprate.io. Um, before we go into what fleet.co does, um, you founded fleet. We, we talked about this before, round about five years ago. You guys have been completely bootstrapped until now. And before that, at you, on your profile in LinkedIn, you really have to scroll through because you do have a lot of business angel investments there. Um, admittedly, also pretty interesting. We'll get to this later. But the other position I found with you was formerly with Rocket Internet. What, oh, what did you do there? And then I do have a few questions on your education because that was also an interesting piece of information here. Yeah, with pleasure. So yeah, myself, I started my career in private equity, uh, but pretty fast I got attracted by the startup world. No, I wanted to, to I, I felt pretty early. I was more a doer. I left to get things done and private equity was very insightful. I mean, I learned a lot in terms of how to analyze a business how to think about market, market sizing, and everything. Um, so I think it was a very good uh, training. But uh, but then I felt, okay, yeah, I want to get shit done, no? like get stuff done and, and move in a more entrepreneurial journey. So, so yeah, I tried to join Rocket Internet. I joined them for two years in Africa. I was based in, um, in Morocco first, Casablanca, and traveling a lot in um, Tunisia and Algeria. So I was head of operation for North Africa for Jumia, like uh, e-commerce business uh, that Rocket used to have in um, in Africa. And then I became managing director for Tunisia, uh, still for Rocket Internet. And after two years, I think I thought, no, like it might be a good time to leave. So um, 
I came back to Europe. I joined another startup, which you mentioned called Ironhack, which is a, a tech school, no? So for, um, yeah, like helping people to change life uh, in nine weeks. Um, so it was a school of data developer, uh, UX, UI designer, and I was in charge of opening new markets. So I opened Paris, I opened Berlin, I opened Amsterdam, I opened Lisbon, I opened Sao Paulo, Mexico, so many cities. And, um, and at the beginning, I was the launchers and head of expansion. I ended up being like, uh, the CEO managing all, uh, all the global operation of the business. And I stayed there another two years. And after that, I felt I was ready to launch my own business. So start working on the idea of fleet. And, um, and it's been five years now. And, uh, I think it's also why I'm, I'm here in this podcast. It's because we just launched in Germany, like, uh, few months back and uh, and we are expanding in all Europe and especially Germany is a critical market for us. So, so yeah. Mm -hmm. I see. Uh, we, we should tell our audience, we try to give them as much perspective as possible. When you look at the European Union, talking about Europe, mostly European Union, rule of thumb, Germany makes up slightly below a quarter of the GDP of the whole European Union EU27. So that's why it's a very important market. My understanding is also you're not only catering to startups, but also to the usual small and medium-sized enterprises in Germany, lovely called Mittelstand. And um, that would also be a very important and very attractive potential audience for you, right? Yeah, exactly. So Germany is, uh, as you say, like... Uh largest market of uh, European Union, um, very big G uh, economy in terms of GDP. Even more interesting for us, like it's a massive economy in terms of SMBs and fleet we are selling to SMBs. So it's one of the most exciting market in terms of SMBs. It's a great tech market also in terms of ecosystem. Um, so yeah, it's a very core market and key market for us. And we are very excited to be here. We are excited by the first result we are here. Um, yeah, we managed to attract a lot of very good clients, no, uh, like Personio, um, like Flink. So, so yeah, it's, it's, um, quite exciting. And, uh, I'm looking forward to having more and more wins in Germany. We also have an amazing, uh, general manager for the country. So. Yeah, it's promising for us. Sounds pretty good. What I found interesting when I've been looking through your LinkedIn profile, of course, as always down here in the show notes, wherever you're watching this, where you're li listening to this, there is a link down here in the show note that gets you to our Medium blog. There you have a complete blog post and there your LinkedIn profile is linked, of course. And what I personally found interesting, you did um, a master's in a school in Paris, but you also spent some time in Tecnologico de Monterrey, the Mexican MIT. How, how was it there and how spicy can you eat? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I loved, um, I love Mexico. Uh, it's an amazing country. Uh, yeah, it was very, I went there when I was just 19 to live there for one year and uh, yeah, I'd, the best time, um, you know, like when you are an exchange student, you are not studying so much, you are more traveling and having fun and, and Mexico is a great country for that. Um, 
and I came back there many times now uh, after after this exchange. Now I went uh, I went for Ironac to open it there. There I met my 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 girlfriend who is now my fiance and and we got engaged not so long ago when we were in Mexico so 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 yeah Mexico is a bit special in for us yeah I see and Plus, I can eat very see. spicy but less than my my fiance she eat even more spicy but myself I can eat very very spicy yeah I understand plus you also spent some time in Australia how was this and actually I've never been to Australia honestly my, my wife's a big fan she has been there uh, but I always tease her there are way too many things like bugs like snakes like fish uh, that could poison you plus you have stuff like uh, the, the the big saltwater crocodiles the great white shark so there's a lot of stuff that scares me right now <laughs> nice uh, yeah so Australia is a uh... Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, um, had any problem when I was there, no, but, uh, but yeah, for sure, apparently there's a lot of snake and stuff. I saw a few, but yeah, nothing, nothing uh, dangerous for me, but, um, yeah, it's also an amazing country. I mean, yeah, I love to travel myself. It's one of my passion, no, and, uh, I've been to many countries. I'm quite lucky and, uh, I keep traveling, uh, Yeah, as much as I can and discovering place. And, uh, yeah, I think we are really lucky to, to have the opportunity to travel today so much with, uh, not so expensive flight ticket and so on. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think it's really a chance to discover a new culture, a new country, and it enrich you a lot, no? Like, uh, to discover new stuff. No, I'm a very curious person and, uh, yeah, it's really one of my passion. You're a very curious person. Did you also try this Marmite stuff in Australia? <laughs> Marmite. Um, it, it, it's something um, that is a running joke because if you're, it, it's a learned taste, my understanding, and um, it's made from yeast. And if you, you're not used to it, you usually don't like it, but you get used to it. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, I tried it. Yeah, I tried it. Yeah, I tried it. I tried also. I think there I. Yeah, kangaroo. Uh, we had cro I had crocodile somewhere. Yeah, I tried stuff. Yeah, I mean, today I'm less into trying so many new stuff. I know what I like, but uh, I'm still a curious person. Yeah, less in terms I of food, no, like I'm, I don't want to yeah eat bugs or stuff, but I'm curious. Mm -hmm. The, the 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 interesting stuff all the people already know that I take some detours, but now we're back from the detour here and we talked about fleet. Um. I was wondering, how did you get the idea? Because there are a lot more obvious business models out there, especially concerning stuff people do every day. That's why uh, Lukasz Godowski, for example, said there are so many ideas around food. Um, how, how, how did you get this idea? Yes. Yeah, so um, I, as I told you, I used to work for, for another startup where Well, I was like CEO, so I thought, okay, yeah, it might be a good point for me to to launch mine, no? So I was number two, so I, I was feeling I was getting ready and prepared to to launch my own, no? And uh, so I was in the mindset of looking for a new idea um, and finding a business, no? So it didn't come like this, no? I was looking for something, no? And... Uh, 
so in my mind, I start to develop some criterias um, that I thought were relevant. So I wanted to do B2B, not B2C. I wanted to do something with um, subscri subscription, no, like with a, a monthly payment and, and you know, like uh, where, where people are enrolled. I felt it was it was interesting to to have a su subscription business model. No, um, then I felt uh, yeah, I was kind of impressed by by a few SMB startups. So I thought, oh, maybe we should target SMBs. Um, and then yeah, I had an issue on my computer. So um, when I was at Ironac, my last startup, and I broke it, and I didn't know how to solve it. No. Um, I realized we were really like, like consumer, no, basically like we, we had no solution to manage IT internally. Uh, it was really chaotic. Um, it remind me of multiple problems, no, like, uh, when I was opening new market, I had to, uh, to, uh, organize, say, like, uh, buy myself the computer for the new employees. We didn't have a, a procurement solution. Um, when, when a computer was broken, we didn't know who to go to. Uh, we didn't know if they were insured or not. It was really when people leave, some people could forget to give it back. So I, I realized there were multiple issues in all the life cycle of a computer within a company. And it was destroying a lot of value because, you know, like when you pay people a certain salary, when they miss one day of work because like computer is broken or something, it's really not efficient and it's destroying a lot of value. Um, so I reflect a, a lot around all that and realize there were like a categories that was not very targeted by anyone, which was IT for SMBs and decided to, to build something, uh, in this category. No? So you were looking and then your own problems, you were looking for business model and then basically your own problems probably there. Yeah, it's a mix. So I was looking, I had some, uh, some criteria. I, I had this problem. Um, so I had this problem. I didn't realize directly and few, few weeks or months after, like, uh, the CEO of my last startup told me, Hey, can you move everyone into leasing? It doesn't make sense to, to be spending so much cash into computer. Like we should keep our cash. Uh, and then I connect everything. Now I thought, Oh, like there is a, Maybe we should do rental for, for computer, uh, with warranty on top, with insurance on top, with a SaaS to manage it. And, and it became the vision of fleet. No. So, so yeah, it was like, I was looking for something problem with my own computer. And then, uh, my ex CEO telling me, Oh, please move everyone into leasing. So I thought, okay, yeah, like there is a way to build a business in this category with this offer, which is within my criteria. Mm -hmm. I see. Um, it, it, you, you, also, I do understand you guys are bootstrapped, which was originally not the plan. And I also understand that basically for the first year, maybe longer, the whole everybody would call headquarters operations. Everything was done by you and your co-founder. Yeah, so yeah, when we launched Fleet, we we thought at first to raise fund. Um, we thought like, yeah, raising fund is a classic way, you know, like uh, when you are a startup, uh, everyone raise fund. Um, so we were not challenging the idea of raising fund or not. Um, so we start working uh, on the idea. We had directly 
yeah, quite a product market fit. Uh, we were quite kind of lucky. So directly we were making revenue. Since we had designed like good unit economic and good cash flow, uh, we start receiving some, some good cash from, from the operation. So, so yeah, after, after a few weeks, we realized, oh, maybe we shouldn't be raising, no? Like, uh, we see, we see we can develop this as a profitable business, no? And, uh, maybe it doesn't make sense in this specific case to raise. So, um, so then we didn't raise. <laughs> Um, you also had a very insightful post on LinkedIn just two weeks ago, where um, I'll link down here in the show notes. Um, there was also something um, where I learned a lot of you. Um, but number one was nail unit economics. Can you explain a little bit what you mean by that? And for for our audience, if you sell one unit of whatever you're doing, if it's software, if it's hardware, whatever it is, the economics should be positive. That means you sell one piece, you make, for example, one year profit. Yeah, exactly. Nailing uh, you know, unit economic is exactly that. I think it's even more relevant when you sell uh, goods. Uh, I mean, goods with services, but goods. So something you buy, something then you you resell in a sense, no? Uh, or you transform and resell. Um, so, I mean, for software, unit economics are pretty high. Uh, when you do SaaS, like you have very high gross margin. Um, but when you do like us, no, like um, leasing, no, like we buy computer, we buy financing, we buy insurance, we buy logistic, we buy everything. And then we package them and sell them. And uh, so then you have to get uh, enough comfortable gross margin to be able to pay your team, pay marketing, pay rent, um, pay multiple stuff, no? Uh, and so you have to think in terms of unit, yeah? Like on one unit, how much money I'm gonna generate now or later? In our case, part of the money we generate is later um, because since we rent computer after three years, we get the computer back and we can resell them. Um, but still, you need a bit of cash flow now to be able to pay uh, services you're going to provide along the journey and, and manage the company, no? So, yeah, I think it's the basics of many stuff and and it has to be thought right, no? Like, there's a common joke, like saying, if I sell, uh, you know, like 100 euros you know, like 100 euros, uh, cash money, you know, like, uh, yet, no, like, uh, for 80, for sure, I can make gross, no, like, mm -hmm. I can go in the street and sell 100 euros for 80, like, for sure, you can make gross, no, but, um, but yeah, like, the point is to generate some cash from, from each unit. And, uh, and yeah, this is very positive, I think, to, to, to be and able to do that. Then also, you can reinvest in yeah. your company, like build more software, build more services, build better, better team to, to develop the company. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a power. And another point that I just want to highlight, you made five points, as I said, link down here in the show notes. Um, keep your balance sheet lean. That means you're not outright bought all the equipment that you're leasing out. 
I understand you financed some of it. Yeah, exactly. So I think, uh, yeah, risk of uh, inventory is a big risk, for instance, uh, and it, yeah, it can uh, put you issues to scale properly. So at Fleet, we don't have inventory, so we don't have warehouse, we don't have inventory. Uh, because this is very cash consuming to have inventories. Um, so we do drop shipping basically, like we, it's on demand and we have a network of suppliers that we ask to ship. Um, and we don't have balance sheet in the sense neither. We don't finance ourselves. We work with banks that finance the client for us and take a cut. So I think both decisions were very critical. No, like uh, without it, we couldn't have scaled this way. Now it makes sense that Seven and you um, just have been handling everything at Fleet because it sounds like a very, very lean business where you've been both a lot on the phone and a lot on the computer every day and just orchestrate like all your deliveries, all your clients. Is that true? Yeah, at the beginning, uh, yeah, we launched it. Yeah, it was part of my plan. Also, I wanted to launch a business where I could launch it myself with my co-founder. Um, and, uh, um, what, what can I tell you? Like, uh, yeah, like we, we get a first intern at first, um, and after the first intern, like a second one, but most of the work, it was done by us too. Yeah. I see. Um, also I understand because your co-founder very helpfully, uh, published it on his LinkedIn page that you guys are already beyond uh 10 million annual revenue yeah yeah exactly yeah we have been uh doing uh plus 10 million revenue yeah yep. annualized the way you do it very lean do you think if you would reach out to investors they would be attracted to it they would be attracted to invest in the company you mean yep yeah yeah i think so yeah, yeah for sure i mean yeah if we would like to do uh to raise some money or sell a part of the business, I think we we could do it now, but uh, mm -hmm. I'm not saying we'll never do it. I'm not saying, um, yeah, we want to do it at the right moment in a comprehensive project now. Like we, we want to, yeah, we are, I think it's, yeah, it's something that should be treated with carefulness, no? Like it's equity is something you really can't fuck up, no? In a company and, uh, yeah, and you have to be careful on this now. So uh, there's many stuff that can be correct uh, later on in a journey. Like if you have a bad product, you can fix it. If you have a poor brand, you can fix it. If you fuck up your equity, you know, and, uh, and uh, yeah, you can be really stuck now. Like uh, let's say if you sell 25% of your company to a competitor, then like you have a competitor inside of your business that just own 25%. You can sell it to anyone because maybe this guy will refuse to sell his 25. No, like, uh, um, and no one going to look at it thinking, oh, the one with the 25 might acquire it at some day. So no one else can look at it. So, so the one with 25 has so much power. So I'm saying like, yeah, I think, uh, when you do, when you touch to this, like you have to be quite careful and uh, and understand the implication because ultimately you're gonna spend like six years, seven years, ten years working on a business. No, 
and uh, and yeah, you have to understand the game you are playing. I see. Um, it, it, I understand correctly that investors just have to make you an offer you can't refuse, right? Sorry. <laughs> um, that, that was me trying to be a godfather the investors just have to make you yeah, an yeah, offer make you an offer refuse. refuse yeah 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 i'm not even sure it's that honestly i don't think uh, uh i mean if it's really crazy money like uh, for sure it, it can make you think but um but uh yeah i think it has to make sense for the long-term future of the company no this mm -hmm. is the most important thing Talking about the long-term future of the company here, because you are entering or just enter the German market. Uh, in fact, that that's why we are talking. Um, it, it just took us 25 minutes to get here. So don't worry, guys. <laughs> This recording will be a little bit longer. Um, entering the German market. Um, we already uh, uh, made the points that it's very important. Um For me, it was interesting. Was Germany the first market that you entered? And how did you approach the problem? So Germany was not the first market we entered. It was Spain. Uh, Germany was the second market we, we entered. So we had already the playbook of, um, of Spain. Uh, we had already the playbook of France, to be honest, because we had done a go-to-market in France. Even, even if it's a HQ, we consider it was a launch, no? Uh, And as you remember in the beginning of the call, no, I, I, I did, uh, I managed some international one venture at Rocket Internet and I did expansion for Ironac where I was in charge of opening new market. So myself, I have quite some experience in opening new market and international expansion. So I know how to do it. So yeah, basically we, we just know like we have a playbook, no, and playbook is adaptable from one startup to another, but it's the same also on some aspect. No, so first thing, most important, you need to build a great team and find a great leader to do it. Um, so how to do it, like there is two ways, no? like one way is to hire local talent, but it's quite difficult to find someone uh, who is not from your country to convince him to join, uh, to find someone very talented uh, that accepts the challenge, no? Um, and it's also a difficult challenge. Um, or you can send someone from HQ that you trust and is amazing. No. Uh, so in Spain, we send someone from HQ who is now my chief of staff. He spent one year in Spain to build it and then came back to be my chief of staff. And then we are someone great in Spain. In Germany, we managed to find directly an amazing guy. Um, so, so we hired him. Uh, so this is one. Then there is, marketing go to market uh, make some noise so we have a playbook for this and then yeah we need also some partnership with the banks as i say to to be able to finance clients but when we have all this ready uh we can execute it's more an execution play yeah and the, the first i would like to say playbook is basically a step-by-step -step guide on a very high level, how you succeeded in France and you adapted uh, to Spain, you adapted to Germany, and then basically you follow the same steps to be successful there. And I, I, I was curious because you said to Spain, you sent your head of staff. How? A lot of entrepreneurs are listening to us. 
what would be like your tip or your few top tips if they ever look in a foreign country for a head of operations, for a local CEO, for country manager, somebody who builds the business up there? How do they find those people? Because they're very hard to find. Yeah, it's very difficult to find them. Very, very difficult. So I think we, yeah, we have a, a process to hire talent. Uh, it's working well. Uh, so first thing it's, I did many hiring myself uh, when I was in my last job where I was in charge of opening new markets. So I already did it myself multiple times. I trained my chief of staff to do it. So I explained him, uh, I share with him, I share with him uh, how to do it. No, So now he's, he's running it. I think what's important is yeah, to attract talent like uh Yes, yeah, someone similar to them is more uh, has more chance to attract. Uh, so, for instance, my chief of staff is really entrepreneurial, young, talented, hungry, hard worker, amazing work ethic, um, all of this. No, so he has more chance to identify someone similar to him. I think um, so. That's why he's owner of the process. Um, so this is one. And yeah, we have a scorecard where we rank what we expect in people for each role. For country directors, the number one top of the scorecard is entrepreneurship. No? Like we want someone that's going to become entrepreneur one day. We think entrepreneurship is the most important thing in this role. It depends. Some other role is not this, but this role is this. Um, and then since we speak like entrepreneur, we, we have a very entrepreneurial culture. I think Fleet is an amazing entrepreneurial school for, for talent because we, yes, yeah, since we are bootstrap, we have a small team, we, which make a lot of revenue. Uh, we are really focused, really focused on return on investment. Um, yeah, myself, I'm, I'm quite seasoned entrepreneur. Uh, I invest in multiple business. We have a lot of networks. So I think all this is very attractive for young guys that want to be one day entrepreneur. Like you think, okay, like, Fleet is an amazing opportunity for me to be a country director, to build a business from scratch, to have a lot of responsibility for my age, um, to, you know, like learn from more seasoned guy, to be surrounded by some other young guys like me that are very talented and hungry. So for all this, I'm ready to work very hard to be, to have some muscle, to be hungry, no? And, uh, I think it's a deal between them and us, no? Like we, we, we teach them some stuff, we give them our network, we give them a lot of responsibility, and then in exchange, they work really hard to, to be at the, at the standard of it. No? I, I was, um, you, you, your reference customers on your German website already include Hive, Personio, Boston Consulting, Plian, Flink, and others, which is pretty impressive. So apparently, You've hired a successful CEO. You found a lot of interesting clients already. My question would be, what would, what was like the biggest, the biggest stumble stone to get into the German market? And you're not permitted to say either the language, the labor laws or the tax laws. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, I think finding the right talent is really important and challenging, no? And we were lucky to do it and I'm, I'm very excited. We have, we have an amazing guy, um, 
which I, I take the opportunity to thanks in this podcast uh, called uh, Peter. Um, yes, and uh, what are the main challenges in Germany for us? Um, I think it's always difficult to build awareness and noise, especially when you are not based locally. So um, make an effort of being, uh, you know, like people thinking of you, seeing you, hearing of you, no? And it's also why I'm here today in this podcast to 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 tell to the German market, hey, we are opening here and, and we are looking forward, uh, talking to clients and getting more and more clients. Um, we have an amazing solution for the German market. So just uh, hello we are here and think of us um so yeah hiring growth uh, and then as you say there is for sure some difference in terms of language in terms of tax in terms of admin but yeah this can be done no like i mean it's just a matter of work i think i see i see um before we close this chapter of the interview um what would be your top recommendation for another entrepreneur maybe from france maybe from spain maybe from the us on how to approach the german market if you want to enter it look for talent or first go there for a few weeks stay in a few uh, bed and breakfast go to uh, co-working spaces and get to know the market yeah i think you have to study first like um Where is your market, no? And um, I think it's more difficult in Germany versus UK and France, for instance, because France is very centralized in Paris, uh, very, very, very centralized for tech, but also for the rest, no? Like, so no matter if you sell to startup, if you sell to SMB, if you sell to enterprise, many of them are in Paris. While in Germany, so it depends, no? So if you sell to startups, there are a little bit more in Berlin, but there is some in Hamburg, in Munich. If you sell to financial institutions, there are more in Frankfurt. If you sell to more traditional companies, there are more in Munich. So you have to assess first, okay, where is your core market in Germany and where you want to start? And then based on that, you can design a proper plan, no? Mm-hmm. Very good point. I would also would have made that um, because Germany is federally organized. Would also many people don't have in mind. For example, Hamburg is the third largest aviation hub in the world due to the big uh, manufacturing capacities of Airbus there, just behind Seattle and Lyon. Um, also, um, Cologne, Düsseldorf area is pretty famous for insurance companies and uh, Stuttgart car, machine building cars and so on and so forth. So basically, if you do have a certain industry, a certain target market, you would need to look around to do that and not blindly go to spot one or A or B. Um, having that all said and be, be interviewed you already for 35 minutes, which is on the longer side for our interviews. Um, you are in the, you have invested in more than 80 investments, including pre-IPO or well-known companies, for example, Pinterest and so on and so forth. Um, what did you learn from your angel investments and how could people pitch you? Yes. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I've learned a lot, no, like it's, uh, as I said previously, I'm very curious and I think, uh, 
angel, I'm doing angel investing partly for that now because I love to discover new business, new ideas um, with people now um, and discover new people also. Uh, I do that because we are bootstrapped, so also I don't have a board, so it's very healthy for me to go out and come back with new ideas. Uh, and I do that also to give back to the ecosystem. No, I think, um, like in a building, no, like you, I'm a small owner of this massive ecosystem, European one, and I'm a small living there. No, so it's important for me to contribute and try to make the place better. No, and, um, so I reinvest a lot of my money in, uh, in startups, no, um, uh, to support my local ecosystem, no. And, um, how can you pitch me? Yeah. You <laughs> like anyone, no, like, uh, I mean, do the best pitch, uh, to anyone, I think. And, uh, there is nothing special I'm expecting, especially for me, no, like, uh, I want people to come, come as they are, no, like, like at Mag McDonald's, no, come as you are. And, um, yeah, like, uh, tell their pitch, uh, and have some energy, have some drive. I think it's very important, but, uh, yeah, come as you are. No? Great. And uh, of course people can reach out to you on LinkedIn. Yeah, but I'm a bit swamped on LinkedIn, but yes, yeah, I can still reach out. <laughs> I'm receiving a, a I, lot of messages. I can attest to this, but don't worry. It's, it, it's the same with me. You, 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 um, I try since I have family not to work on Saturdays and Sundays, if there's an option not to do that. And usually there is an option. Um, but when I come back Monday morning, I usually have something like 30 messages waiting for me in LinkedIn. Plus I tend to have something like half a dozen uh, contact requests each week where I tend to go through by now because apparently everybody thinks if they do have an IT uh, development company, IT uh, coding, uh, coding boutique or something like this, I should have ordered for them. Not sure why, but they reach out to me on a very, very frequent basis. We're getting close to the 40 minute mark and there are the usual two questions at the end of the interview. Would you be open to talk to new investors? And I think we already had this if the offer is right. Yeah, it's not, it's not just a offer or the price, no, like it's, uh, I think it has more to come from us, no, like, uh, when we want to get new investor, we, We'll do a roadshow, no? We'll do it ourselves, no? When we'll have a project to sell with a clear, clear, you know, like how are we going to use it, no? Like are we, is it cash in, cash out? Um, is it, you know, like to acquire new companies? Is it to open new market? What we want to do with this money? So, yeah. So when we need money, we will say for what? And I think we'll reach out directly to investor and we'll select investor ourselves. Um, to which we want to partner. And I think it will be more proactive from our side. I understand. But that also means if investors get in touch now, they will be later likely on your list to do that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm not sure. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure to take. Uh, I mean, when I get reached out, I'm not answering lately. I'm getting mm -hmm. a lot reached out and I'm not answering. Yeah. Okay. And is fleet.co looking for talent for new hires? Uh, yes, we are. Yes, we are. We are looking now for a country director in the UK. We are really focused on this hiring. So we do hiring one by one. We are lucky to be 
as I say, not too big in terms of number of people. So we are really selective uh, who we add in, in the team. It's like a football squad, no? Like we are always reflecting if we bring this guy inside the company, will he transform it, no? Um, so now we are really focused on hiring a, a country director for the UK. I see. And everybody who is listening to this, After the publication, they can go down here in the show notes. We will link your career website and people can have a look if they find a suitable position there. Alexandra, it was a very long interview. Thank you very much for doing this for us. And um, very happy to have you, have you as a guest. Um, and in a few years, come back and we'll talk about it, how it went since. Awesome. Let's do it. Thanks a lot for everything. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Take care. That's all, folks. Find more news, streams, events, and interviews at www.startuprad.io. Remember, sharing is caring.